Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Bald Move Prestige, the officially unofficial podcast for, I don't know, Go TV. Uh, we're back for a second season, a second helping, if you will, of The Bear. Uh, I can't remember if we talked about the bear on Prestige or on OTC. It was OTC. Okay, okay. Then you probably haven't heard much about the bear here on Prestige. Uh, But it's a show about a former three-star Michelin chef who has uh, lost his cousin? Brother. Brother? Okay. The family connections here are very confusing to me. Uh, Lost his brother there's and some family connections that aren't even family. True, true. <laughs> uh, and his brother owned an Italian beef shop, and he had to take that over. Uh, and it's been very stressful because the Italian beef shop was not well run, and he had some personal problems, and boy, the cast of characters he was dealing with were less than uh, less than helpful in most mm. cases. And so here we are. We're one season into this. If you haven't watched season one, I recommend going back and checking it out because, wow, it was really good. And it was up for a lot of Baldi's awards this year. It was because up of how good it was. for, and it, it, it didn't walk. I don't think it walked away with any. Did it, it get best? didn't. Man, it got, it had some stiff competition, but it made a lot of Very. noise, got uh, really high mentions in a lot of categories. Mm-hmm. Maybe season two will get it over to Hump and they'll take home Baldi's gold. But the Maybe. other thing is, the first season, is it's a pretty breezy watch, too. Like, oh, yeah. I think you can get it done in under four hours, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I, I think I need ball. Okay, look, we had our, we didn't see eye to eye on the whole succession thing. <laughs> but I need the bald move community to come together and agree that this is the new Mad Men. This is where I it, it's a it's a it's a shame that it's a binge model mm-hmm. for podcasting purposes because there's so much to tear into and it's so good and there's so much great acting and so much great uh, photography and the food is amazing and the social dynamics and the relationships are engrossing and intriguing and uh and, and and it is it is stressful still because you're watching these people start uh, the the scrape and and on a startup but it's also i thought it was just really fun and and funny this season mm-hmm. yeah. uh last season was not not funny i think this was stylized as a comedy but as three episodes in this is much funnier than your average season one like there's some like and maybe it's just because yeah. i'm that you you now know the characters enough to mm-hmm. understand to just have them doing little reactions and stuff is really funny, but there's really funny character work. Like Richie is oh, such God. an infuriating character, but I don't know if the show works without him because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a shitster. He's the funniest thing on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, it's fun. It's funny when he fails. It's funny when he succeeds. It's funny when he tri- it's 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 great. It's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I I think everybody should. We need to get on board. This is the new. This is the this one of the best prestige shows going. It's oh, man, it is it is a bummer about it being a binge model though. 
I guess. I mean, I as a viewer, I kind of love that this is binge because I just want to sit there and watch That's the whole the damn rub. thing. Yeah. That's the rub, yeah. But it's it makes it really devilishly hard to podcast about it. Mm-hmm. Um so do you want to like, uh, so we got the uh, thumbs up, great performances, um great writing, extremely relatable. Uh, this show's got a lot of things going on. Jeremy Allen White, you know, kind of exploded onto the scene with this uh, starring role. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is Io a Debiri a Debiri uh, who I just saw in a Black Mirror episode? Um, she plays Sydney. She's oh, great. Okay. Nice. Uh, all yeah, all the leads like Evan Mossback Rack, who's the Richie yeah, character. Richie. They're they're just all they have such great chemistry. Um, you're going to have a lot of fun. I, su- I suggest you, you turn it off now because there's actually quite a bit of twists and turns in the last bit of uh, season one, and I don't want to spoil that for you. Yeah. And we probably will as we discuss uh, start discussing season two. Um, just, I guess, spoiler free, because um, people are going to be all over the place and, and p- people might want to know on the first day of its airing, just like general thoughts. Three episodes into Bear season two, How's it stacking up against season one? Oh, against season one? Uh, well, the thing I, I would say first of all is I forgot how much I appreciate the style of this show. It's mm. very different from pretty much anything else I've seen on TV. The mm-hmm. but bo- Both in like the, the patter, the, the pacing of the dialogue and everything is just kind of kind of frenetic but also has a rhythm to it that that feels really good Mm -hmm. and then like the montages they do are incredible it's Mm. it's half you know food uh documentary kind of show um and then it's half drama and they combine those so well in the uh montages because you're seeing like these beautiful dishes as the chefs are preparing them or just like kind of as an interlude but it's also cutting in, I don't know, pictures of the character's childhood or really anything related to what's going on in their head at the moment. Mm-hmm. And it tells such a an amazing compressed story in those montages, uh, just in a different way. And then the music, man, the musical choices in this show are so weird, but so perfect. Do you know what the style reminds me of in a very similar but distinct way? Like, like... It reminds me, those montage reminds me of the cooking scenes of Breaking Bad, where they were always cool, they're always slick, they had the perfect score, and it always told you something about where, like, Walt and Jesse were in terms of the Empire, in terms of their career, Mm -hmm. in terms of... And just, like, you know, these aren't just, like, um, food porn, which it is. I went in, like, I finished my first watch of these episodes just before lunch, and episode three made me hungry. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god watching oh, sydney go yeah. around trying all the best food in chicago slice of pizza I i'm actually I, I just oh, ate yeah. a nice sandwich and some mac and cheese and i'm drooling thinking in particular <laughs> of how a sauce was lit mm. mm. not yeah, gonna be able to talk careful <laughs> I, I know i need to i need to like brando it up and just pack my jaws with cotton to uh-huh. absorb all the drool it's it but, it but you're right it's not just like food porn for food porn's sake or Mm-hmm. You know, art for art's sake. Although nothing wrong with that, they're they're always moving the story ahead too. And like you said, giving windows into these characters. And well, on on that art side, I the thing that reminded me of is you know those Katsi movies like Koyanis Katsi. Yeah, which it, it has that vibe to it, but it's also like 
and look, I know those movies tell a story, but this is telling a story about a specific character too. But you know, it's one of those things where it's like what the characters are saying is only half, like fully half mm-hmm. of what's being communicated in an average episode is just watching someone's face as they frown or they smile or they look like they're nervous or or the contrast between like two characters facing the exact same stimulus and one is like excited and like mm-hmm. thinks this is a new adventure and one's like oh god I need rollades and I'm going to like those and there's not dialogue where they talk about like oh I can't wait to start this thing I'm actually dreading this thing it's mm-hmm. all in the performances and how they are approaching you know getting ready for the task and I I just love stuff like that where you can just sit and watch the drawback though uh, I when I watched Ad Astra, do you remember when I said that like I felt like it was an art gallery and that like there are the the scenes are beautiful and kind of like um, subjective and quiet and meditative and I found myself like just free associating about my own life and how I felt about my father and my co- I find that the bear triggers that exact same thing where mm. like. This and and we talked about this this morning in a little pre-show <laughs> banter. It blew my mind that you didn't get any nostalgia for early bald move days from this. I just like them. I never made that connection. But literally yeah. with whiteboards and scheduling and play and like I just like was so reminiscent of us deciding because we had to think bald move and now we're taking a full time and we're like you know trying mm-hmm. to budget out the amazingly five hundred dollar ikea studio and <laughs> and saying can we make this deadline and well we need to make this deadline because if we don't we're dead out of water and uh just uh like always something that you can work on and do uh mm-hmm. i i found that kind of like you know pitching in camaraderie and kind of like just uh you know like i said the whiteboards and project management all i found it so nostalgic and i just it kept on making me think of the early days of us doing our thing Mm -hmm. um and i yeah i just just really find a lot of the stuff relatable yeah you know like uh this the show also does things like they show carmy do something and then you wonder why did he do that um Mm -hmm. I'm, and it, it doesn't hold your hand all the time, and I kind of appreciate that because um, I, I think I know the scene you're talking about with the phone number. Yes, and it just expects you to to have remembered the number that he said earlier in the five episode. minutes ago, or at least draw attention to the fact that the show gave you the full number and uh-huh. the way. Like I didn't have to rewind and check; I could tell by gotcha. the way he hitched on those final de- messages. <laughs> what he was doing and yeah. i have a pretty good i have a pretty good i have a pretty good explanation of why too uh-huh and we haven't even gotten you know but but i kind of i kind of think i know why he he did that we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And now back with more bald move. Um, we're still talking in generalities, like we're afraid to spoil this stuff. Do you want to like right. get into this? Yeah, let's do it. Um, would it be fair to say that the early goings of the show? And again, I've only seen the first three episodes. Same here. 
Um, but it seems like a big thesis statement of this season is what is your purpose? What is our Certainly purpose for Richie yeah. as, as, well, as human beings? I think it's got, um, you know, Carmi thinking about it too. Like when he's at the, this, it permeates every episode, you know, you mm-hmm. got, you got Richie, which I think you could probably say is the dumbest person on the crew. <laughs> fretting about him being his yeah. status on the as the dumbest person on the crew the, the most useless absolutely yeah what is i don't know if he's useless but he's pretty dumb uh and he <laughs> he's 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 talking about like you know like my god i don't have a purpose like what if you guys just wake up and realize that i'm just a barnacle on your ass and mm-hmm. uh you know you're you're gonna Cut give me, me the old heave ho and that yeah. starts Carmi thinking about because he says some he's like you know uh, he, he's like, you know, you've got the cooking thing. And he's like, well, that's not fun. That doesn't give me pleasure. And he says, cousin, if this isn't fun for you, what the hell is? Because he knows this is his life. And it really brings Carm up short. Yeah, and true. I, I think he meditates leading up to the uh, Al-Anon meeting where he's kind of going over this. Like, yeah, what, you know, what, 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 what does that even mean? What is fun? And the same happens when he's talking with Claire on the phone and she's like, yeah, fact told me you were his best friend. And he's like, no, that's not true. And then he thinks about it for a second. He's like, eh, that might be true. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, so I so so there's the the whole thing about like what I think one of the things is and I oh, man, I really I really associate this um, or I really uh, empathize with this. This idea of like, what if your purpose isn't fun? You know, sure. like, like, what if yeah. this, that your passion is not something that gives you joy or like, I think another thing you'd say is like, maybe his purpose is seeing the look on people's face when they try his food, you know, like, like making other people happy. And this is his way that he does it. Um, mm-hmm. But they're also contrasting with like other purposes and things in life, like Marcus, who's, you know, developed this passion of baking mm-hmm. and, and pastries and stuff from from Carmen kind of watering him last season uh, we open up the early goings just like with a, a like those those montages of him caring for his sick mother. Yeah, like just what an act of this isn't fun too. Like he is up at the crack of dawn massaging this woman's hands, sponging her. She's in mm-hmm. so much pain. You, sh- you see him go out to the parking lot, still dark. He's scraping off the eye. Like this is a this is not fun, but it's his purpose and it's important to him. And yeah. I really like that thread of like, what is the purpose of life? You know, what are you, what are we trying to do throughout this episode? I, when, uh, Claire said that Fack was his best friend and he Mm. denied it. And then he kind of got thoughtful. I thought that was a callback to Michael that, you know, like throughout the last season, everyone said that Michael's my best friend. Michael's my best friend. Like by I think it was Carm hmm. realizing that he's sliding into that Michael spot of everyone looking up to him and like really reflecting okay. his shine. I think because he had that really thoughtful look before Maybe. he kind of was like, you know what? No, he is my best friend. And I think that's like instead of running away from the Michael role, he's starting to embrace it. Yeah, he you needs know? to. But yeah, I, I read that differently. I definitely read that as like, I don't actually have any friends because I am so because c- the whole context here is he's given her a fake number so that she can't call him because two reasons. A, I don't think he has enough time for a relationship or thinks he doesn't have time for this in his life. And B, I think he's scared of it because of what he says in the Al-Anon meetings about 
everything that brought me joy as a child, my family ruined, you know, um, it always just got fucked. And I, I think he's scared of that too, but like he, he's kind of breaking out of that or, or analyzing that and saying, okay, maybe I do need to try something else here because like the rest of this isn't making me happy. Those three Michelin stars didn't make me happy. It was a fucking trap. Uh, mm-hmm. is what he calls it when everybody around him is saying, this is what I want. Um, mm-hmm. it, so so I think like he's he's looking at it and saying, I don't actually have a life. What I have is the kitchen. And he's trying to branch out beyond that. And I think there's also an element of that Claire situation that like he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't have time because I think it's probably true that he doesn't have time to start a relationship and right this now, business at no. the same time. No. <laughs> but I also think he's scared that he knows if he he's because he's I, I think they're trying to say that he only knows the, how to go one speed. Uh-huh. Like whenever he's doing something, he's all in on it. And he's Same afraid for him, Sydney and even his sister, I think. And, and you can start to see like the fallout of the Claire in episode three. Like he goes Sydney and he's not mm-hmm. there the next day either. And I think he is like he's going to have to make a. I, I don't know what they're doing to Claire thing because. It's also like when you meet her and she talks about how she's an emergency doctor, you start getting like this might be the perfect woman for him because she's going to be busy as fuck too. She's doing this selfless, crazy thing and, you know, burn herself at both ends of the candle. Like, an e- I mean, if you've seen the series ER, you know what a crushing grind it is to be like what that was that pre-resident doctor, you know, uh, or yeah, like resident before you become <laughs> attending. It's, it's, it's where you're mm-hmm. getting hazed. Where you have to work like ninety six hour shifts and mm-hmm. you're sleeping on gurneys uh, for for a half hour in between shifts and stuff like that. That's what she's doing, and I think yeah. it's like you gotta that they could be like perfect for each other, or they could like you know become the mesh and destroy each other's like passions and careers. Sure, I, who knows? Um, yeah, I just Car- Carmi's kind of this this island of a character right and and you see that through the sydney interactions he has here like her dad makes a super good point when he's talking to sydney and i mean my god they're doing such a good job of making me really love these characters like mm-hmm. you, you talked about the the stuff with marcus at the beginning with his mom i'm like they're really gonna try and make me like this guy even more huh okay mm-hmm. and then sydney's dad is like that too where boy you meet him and it's just like this seems like a great guy he cares for his daughter he's there for her when she needs him uh, let, letting her move back home and everything. But he brings up this point about like, oh, oh, your partner's in this thing. That's great. You got profit sharing? And she has to say no. And in fact, not only do I have profit sharing, uh, do I not have profit sharing, but I'm not going to get paid for six months. And he talks about, you know, the backup plan of coming and living at home with me is now the only plan. It, it doesn't seem like it's headed in the right direction. Look, I think let Sydney make her mistakes or or go for fucking broke when she's young. I think mm. he should maybe ease up on that a little bit. But he makes a good point about the profit sharing stuff. Are you really partners if the person who's going to benefit most from this is the person who you're working for, essentially, is your employer, not a partner? That's the thing. And that's why, like, everyone should all, if you're going in business with somebody, buddy, friend, lover, whatever, is you should definitely get something in writing that kind mm-hmm. of like, because you don't want there to be a million dollar pile before you start saying, how much of that's mine again? 
because you're going to have two very different ideas of what sweat equity is worth and what the business is worth and all that kind of stuff. But like you can also see why people get into these traps because, you know, no one is born with a business sense and no one thinks. And like, I don't think anyone (laughs) goes into business deals thinking, ha ha ha, I'm going to screw the other person. It's just you don't talk about things and your ideas start diverging and then you're right. You start having ownership of those ideas. You start thinking, oh, that million dollars, at least nine hundred thousand is mine or whatever. And the yeah. other person wants half. They're fucking robbing me blind. <laughs> Don't they know that yeah. I'm the one that provide and that it's just all. And I God, do you think we're going to because that would break my heart to see like Carm mm-hmm. and uh, uh, God damn, I just forgot Sydney. Uh, Sydney at each other's throats over money. Yeah, no, that would suck. Uh, but that, that's the thing about starting a, a venture like this is it's so exciting in the moment. Yes. And so, like, you just want to get moving on you, it. You, you do. You want to just get in there and do it. But there's so much prep work that to make it work out long term, you need to do up front. Otherwise, you're risking like that, everything. That scene early on where they're like, oh, gosh, I guess there's not much to do right now. We should probably, you know, never. <laughs> and, and then they time. all they all like realize that they can't like this, like that. All they want to do is be there and work. Yeah. And like I identified it that really hard. Sure. Um, and this other thing about like purpose and like when is things too much? I had, I've always felt like there are two wolves inside of me. One wolf never wants to stop working, and the other wolf is the laziest fucking thing you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Barely can be called a wolf, more of a lap dog. <laughs> and I am terrified of that second wolf. To the point where I hmm. think I let the first wolf just bully the shit out of me. Just, just bought like that. F- yeah, that's the, the, the workaholic work. I'm, I'm, I've been trying to, I've been trying to work on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I think that's the yeah. whole car. Like he, it's clear from that AA meeting when he was talking about his family and how they kind of like ruin everything or beat all the good things out of you. That like these, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about people who, um are just worried you know like the penalty for fucking up for lower social economic class people is uh poverty homelessness and death mm-hmm. and if you're doing something that looks like you're you know going away from conventional wisdom and you're doing something new or excited they they get scared and they're like you can't do that or they're like uh, sydney's father where it's always like have you thought of this have you thought of this have you thought of this this seems kind of fucked up mm-hmm. And um, it comes from a p- place of love. But like you said, there's like probably a better way for Sydney's father in particular to have communicated some of that stuff that is more supportive. But again, he's worried that she's going to do something that's going to fuck up her entire future. And she's got a bright future. So it's it's tough yeah. with your children. Like when do you support them? When do you push them? When do you cajole? When do you for? Yeah. And, and uh Yeah. <laughs> he's also in a position where he's being relied on as a resource, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily taken advantage of, but definitely like assumed to be there with, you know, uh, housing and Well, it's food. like any engineering thing. If you had a space shuttle and the engineers came up and said, hey, good news, we're using the backup engines as primary now. That's a scary thing <laughs> because you're... You'd be like, well, I got to go make some new backup engines because... you've just really cut into our safety margin and uh-huh. uh, that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, he doesn't want her to be homeless and, you know... Uh-huh. on skid row so he, he's but you also sweat. have to shoot your shot right like you that, do. that's the other thing like sydney is out there shooting her shot and it didn't work out the first time because she <laughs> spooned some 
ragu over some Hawaiian rolls or yeah. something. King's Hawaiian rolls. Yeah. Uh, and and he's worried that it will never work out. And I get that. But also, you can't stifle that passion because that's what happened to Carmi. I mean, he, he found his other outlet, um, which was cooking, which I guess was acceptable to his family uh, at some point. But all those other things that he might have explored, that he might have become, got squashed out of him by his family. Mm. And, and probably a lot of that is is Richie too, right? Like you look at Richie and how like over the top uh, alpha he can be, and it's just like, fuck how how do you do anything that this guy isn't cool with doing? Mm. Mm. You just have to leave him. You have to get out of his orbit because he yeah. won't let that happen. Yeah, I and and the 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 going back to this idea of the purpose, um, you know, why is he doing it? Who's he doing it for? Is he lonely? Is he happy? What does happiness even feel like? I thought that stuff was all really, um, you know, relatable. And going back to the other thought about, I thought that he was realizing he's taking the Michael role, which you know mm. that sounds like a good thing because everyone says everyone agrees that Michael is a hell of a guy. He was there for everybody, provided for everybody. Yeah. Um, he made everyone feel special and like they were his best friend, et cetera, et cetera. But we also know from <laughs> that that came at a cost because this man mm-hmm. Michael, who was the happiest guy, the most supporting, the strongest, everyone's rock, got addicted to opiates and then killed himself. Mm-hmm. So like, I think you're supposed to feel like a footstep on your grave kind of feeling when Carmi starts to embrace this Michael role because unless he works really hard to do it in a healthier way, because he's mm-hmm. already seen the downside of being that guy that just like says, yeah, I'll help you, yeah, I'll help you, I'll do this, yeah, I'll do that. You overextend yourself. He said like you make promises that you know you can't keep or mm-hmm. you're going to be unable to keep, um, which is worse than not promising at all. And I, I, I just kept on seeing like when he... You know, Chloe, is it Chloe? No, it's Claire. Claire calls him and says, hey, you're trying to duck my number. What's up with that? Blah, blah, blah. Keeping it fun. Keeping it flirty. Uh, I need you to help me move. He not only agrees to do it, but what I thought was interesting is he blows off Sydney. Mm -hmm. Like, in my mind, okay, Claire, I'm going to be there with my truck. Give me three hours. I just told my business partner I'm going to do a taste of Chicago tour with her and mm-hmm. I'm going to do that get lunch for a couple hours, try a couple places. I'll be over there. We'll finish. But he doesn't do that. He just unilaterally says, Hey, I got to bounce. Uh, just, f-. and, and, and the way the other thing is like, identify at this. There is sometimes like when I tell people that like something's going to happen, plan's going to change. I don't want to make it seem like, Hey, this is the way it's going to be. And you end up doing this like passive aggressive thing, like that message he sent her. It's like, hey, I got to bounce. Uh, you can continue to work on the menu or hiring or take the day off. I don't care. Like to me that he's trying to like cushion the blow kind of like, hey, I'm sorry mm-hmm. I'm flaking. But as a, you know, you can do whatever you want. But he's also reminding her of all the things she could be doing. Hmm. And then acting like, or I don't, or just take the day off. I don't care. Which like for a person as passionate as her, that's like a slap in the face. Mm -hmm. That's like a Richie, the fact slap in the face uh, coming out of nowhere. And, and it's to a person we've already seen. Can't take the day off. She just doesn't have it in her. Right. 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 Um, And I, it feels like there's some real flashing. Like she's already building resentment. And then like, I thought it was shocking when Carmi, 
uh, you know, pulls down these walls. And, and he's right. It had to be done. And Sydney would have agreed. But mm-hmm. having to explain to your partner that, yeah, but we're in this together, right? Well, this shows that that's not how Carmi thinks of it. Carmi like, thinks I, I'm I building backed this restaurant. Dis- it, then, and that's the flashing red because, you know, yep. he ultimately sees this as his thing that she's... Uh, and and I, 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 it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And they do such a great job on this tour, this food tour, um, with kind of conveying all of the pressures that are on restaurants, right? Because they're also kind of... Sydney is kind of researching and seeing news articles about closings of restaurants over like COVID stuff Mm. um, and how these restaurants that have been in business for seven decades are going out of business, having to shut their doors. Uh, And and she's like, we're going to start up something in a time when businesses that have been around for 70 years can't stay open. This seems crazy. And then she's talking to all these other uh, restaurateurs who say, oh, yeah, I had a restaurant before with my wife, but our business partner took all the money and ran off to Barbados mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> it's like, and, and you know, I, I just said, whatever, this is, happens all the time in the restaurant industry. Uh, she's getting glimpses into what could be her own future, yeah. her own very negative future with Carmi here because they don't have anything concrete. This partnership is really more of I'm helping Carmi build the bear, which is his restaurant. So I wonder, I wonder if they're going to actually discuss this. They got to. Like, I, I mean, they, they, they to, might absolutely. not. Like, this might be the whole, like, the uh-huh. battle between the kind of ha-ha handshake promise, let's be partners, and the actual greedy making that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I mean, I mean, I'm mean, i assuming that they'll work things out, but maybe there'll be a bit of rivalry and they'll split, they'll have a... a that's possible. An original Italian beef over their original Italian beef houses, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, just like that. That's a very Chicago thing, right? Like, isn't oh, that like yeah. half They're of the deep dish pizza joints beef. are the original because they were uh-huh. the three brothers that ended up hating each other and had taken their <laughs> dough ball across <laughs> the street for in some cases, like I, uh-huh. it, it feels Chicago as fuck. I, I, I feel like the juicy Lucy is a thing that happened like that. You're, are you familiar with that at all? I am not, but just from the name I am in, brother, tell me more. Oh, the Juicy Lucy is the burger with the cheese inside. Mm. You're familiar that a, with that concept, is, is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuffed burgers. Okay. Is that a uh-huh. is that a Chicago thing? Oh, I don't think it's a Chicago thing, but it's mm. it's one of those things where like they made the Juicy Lucy of this restaurant, and then somebody went off and started their own and claimed gotcha. I have the original Juicy Lucy. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that happens all the time in restaurants too. But yeah, they need to talk about it. I, I'm starting to get the feeling that we won't even get to opening the bear until the very end of the season. Like final episode, the season might end with them opening the bear. Yeah, three because weeks we're in. going like a week we're, at a time on we're these a third, episodes. Yeah, we're a third of the way through, and we had 11 weeks to go till open with an original three week or three month window. Uh huh. So yeah, that's if if we keep the pacing the same, we probably will not actually open the bear. I think that's right. I, I think that feels right to me. Yeah, because this is a route. very formative period. And uh-huh. like literally like, you know, the, um, I'll give props to Carm and Sydney is they are certainly not undercapitalizing this thing or doesn't seem like it. They're like mm-hmm. sending their chefs off to culinary school, yep. booking them to pastry resorts in Copenhagen. Like they really want that Michelin star. 
Mm-hmm. And they're sparing. Well, it's not they're sparing no expense. They're actually tons of expenses they're trying to spare. <laughs> but yeah. they, they want that. That's that's what they, you know. And like, honestly, I was shocked. I thought that they were selling the beef and going to open their bear in a new location. It's okay, insane what they're trying to do with this. this greasy spoon. So, like, so, the, so here's the setup for this, right? They are asking what's his face for more money. Um, he, he's giving them more money to go open the bear and totally remodel the space. And they think it's just going to be a, a facelift. It turns out to be a full gut. Uh, mm-hmm. They say that the property is worth minimum $2 million. And I think Carmi outright owns this thing, right? I and think he's so. saying, if the restaurant doesn't succeed enough for me to pay you back within 18 months fully, this mm-hmm. $800,000 you've given total. The Carmi problem, yeah. Th- yeah, then you can have this entire lot and go sell it for $2 million and make your money. Why don't they... Okay, I know there's sentimental value in here, but why don't they sell the beef and take the $2 million which is far more money than they needed for the startup, go lease a space in a better location mm. and start the, start the bear there. Is it just sentimentality? Is it just every time we open the ceiling, some sports equipment's going to drop on our head and we can have a good laugh about Mikey? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. I, I assume that the answer lies in Chicago real estate, that um, – the rent at some place that you would go to find some place like the bear would be so prohibitively expensive that there, it would like eat up their burn rate where he's essentially like, he's all like, yeah, it's going to be a million dollars all in, but, and he also said that the property is worth 5 million and which his, his uncle's like, "Eh," and he's like, well, 2 million easy. Like it's like probably Mm -hmm. worth more than 2 million, 2 million is like a fire rail. Take that money and lease and your runway would be longer. Because you've well, only you know got 18 thinking, months. Just take that money and fucking run. Like, well, you yeah, know. Carmi can't do that. His life <laughs> no, is cooking. No. So. He's, uh, it, it is his life. But, mm-hmm. um. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, Can we talk about Sydney a little bit more? Because yes. there's another detail of, of what's going on with her. And it's not just that she's having this crisis of, like, trust in Carmi brought on by her father's comments about profit sharing and his flaking on her she's also having a crisis of palate where she cannot for the life of her properly salt food her i, I don't you know, know what i it never is, but i never picked up tour. that it's like i thought it was them trying to fine tune and she just but you're right they're making a point of that she it's not just a little off like carby's no. like spitting shit out and and so is she right up to the end yeah. Like she's taking this tour thinking, oh, I'll reset my palate, right? And I'll get a good idea of what salty uh-huh. food is supposed to taste like. Uh-huh. And then she goes and she cooks a dish after that, and it's still way too salty. She can't even stomach it. Hmm. That's weird. I was like, you're you're right, that's a thing, but it's like it's like it's like, like a golfer having the yips. You know, it's like suddenly uh, you just cannot putt. You just like your hand it's just something just like you got a mental block. Like she's got the the sous chef yip. Uh is it because she knows something's off with this relationship? Like she's okay. not getting. Let me let, let's let me introduce another a new ingredient. Let's let's add okay. some uh some, some uh, spice. uh some oh, some yeah. some cherry vinaigrette to this uh-huh. equation. Raise the acidity. Why is she being evasive about her mother? Because they talk about like you know he talk, talks about their dad being solid and like what an asset that is, and it is like if you have 
even one parent that gives a shit about you and you listen to this podcast, thank your deity because it's more than <laughs> some people get. And if you got two, holy shit, you won the lottery. You got two people that have known you from infancy that have your fucking back and are in your corner. Money in the bank, baby. Mm-hmm. So they talk about that and she's like, what about your mom? And she kind of like is dismissive and like, you know, evasive and kind of like looks worried about the question. And then we later see her celebrating the anniversary of her mother's death, I think. And revealed that they talk about and her mother in in terms of nothing but glowing. uh, Mm -hmm. They say, you know, she's the best. And uh, she reflects that, oh, my God, I'm now older than my mom was when When she she died. died, And I've passed that threshold. But what is like if you can't, you know, she the trust goes both ways. What I'm saying. Why is she so cagey about the fact that her mom's dead when it seems like there's there's nothing shameful or yeah i don't i don't know does is it that she she knows his background and how troubled his family is and she's kind of like hmm. you know like I, I don't know it's like how how do you go to a place where it's like oh my mom's dead but like she's also better than yours or I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better than anybody because they've implied that his ever. dad was like angry and abusive and absent and his mom uh, was like uh, had like some pretty severe untreated mental and emotional problems. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with that. Maybe we just haven't seen enough yet. This yeah. is the tease, and we shouldn't know. That's what I'm saying. Like there is something uh, there. There is like as, as much as there is like this like kind of newfound openness. Are they living together? Uh, her, her and Marcus? No, her and uh, Carm. No, oh. she's just over there to cook because I just yeah, thought she's it's like, just they're making the menu together. By the way, what psychopath stores their genes in the oven? Especially if you're a cook. Oh, this is this is a salvage thing, I think. You put them in the freezer. Okay. What? H- how does this work? How does this work? As soon as you said salvage, my eyes crossed yeah. because that's the fancy <laughs> word for blue jeans, and I've never had a conversation <laughs> introducing salvage go away. Go 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 well. So yeah, yeah, educate so, me here. I wish I could educate you, but I'm pretty sure you put them in the freezer in order to keep them from stinking while you're not wearing them, like keep bacteria from building up, and then you cook them in the stove like once every few years or so. Like once once you've worn them for like 16 different what to weeks. like season it like a iron pan you just like you rub some vegetable you rub some Crisco on it and then bake them at 500 degrees for 60 minutes and- <laughs> I don't know man I've I've heard of this being done and I, it's usually done by people who go I, I swear it's done by people who go to like old uh, California mines mm. and go search for workers overalls and shit. They're, they're oh yeah 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 Levi's from 1827 yeah yeah and then yeah. they sell them on eBay I think mm. this is a thing hmm. but he doesn't strike me as like that guy I he is I pretty fashionable also sworn this was in season one but yeah he maybe because I I thought I he was a little bit of a clothes horse you know he comes from New York and uh-huh. he was a little bit more you know he he uh, grimes grimes down pretty well um yeah. but but he still yeah. is kind of like you know when he's out like shopping uh, uh for the thing where he met Claire I I noticed like oh my god he's really he's really put together like you I'm know. not deep in that salvage scene so I couldn't yeah. tell you but same same uh but I, I thought he just storage cuz like I I have I keep an embarrassing amount of pots and pans in my oven 
uh because i just i just have a t- tiny kitchen and i need it for storage space sure so yeah. like uh i just have to remember to take uh, first of all i usually just keep my like cast iron or my stainless steel stuff in there so like if i do forget eh but uh you, you got you got to watch that mm-hmm. all right i'm learning uh, yeah, learn about salvage see, you should see the freezer at the bear it's just full of denim full of denim there's the chicken that's where the the real money that's where the real money's at in the building Uh, yeah all that vintage 1870s prospector jeans (laughs) it definitely strikes me as more of a richie thing like he's selling denim out of the back of the (laughs) it does yeah 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 yeah, for sure um what so let me ask um do you want to talk more about sydney or uh, no I, i just wanted to bring up that she's got some like problems some issues she's working through with her cooking too i want to talk about the contrast of doing with tina and ibrahim yeah yeah so tina is one of those things like uh uh heel face turns last because like i really did mm-hmm. not like her and how she sucked at the beginning she was a yeah. real piece of work stuck in her ways and refusing then, and, to listen to anyone yeah and and sydney and charmy with their uh, charmy carmy with mm-hmm. their charm and their kitchen battery uh, uh the whatever brigade uh expertise they like, slowly won everybody over mm-hmm. are they trying to sort the ibrahim is kind of like one of the last man standing of the old guard who's just like a little bit self-conscious and insecure because like you see the contrast of her putting on the uniform with pride and how much she loved getting the tap for sous chef and how she instantly mm-hmm. saw the opportunity of, Oh my God, I'm going to go to culinary school. It's so awesome. And Ibrahim's like, Oh, I'm not going to make me wear it. And the whole time, like the things she takes pride, like she's fixing her mirror, her, uh, um, uh, uniform in the mirror and she's confidently chopping the celery and they cut to him and he's like very unsure and he's doesn't like the, the uniform and stuff. What, what are they mm-hmm. doing with this compare and contrast? So there's something in there, I forget who says it, but they talk about how difficult it is once you get to a certain stage of your life to change anything or or bring anything new into it. Mm. And I think that's what they're doing with Ibrahim. I think he's the guy who, he's he's older, right? Like he's probably older than anybody else in this kitchen. I think that's correct. And for him going to culinary school, learning to chop vegetables the correct way, uh, learning all these new things is just a huge stretch that he doesn't have the the mental energy for, huh. I guess. Just doesn't... Like, he could do it if he applied himself, but God, applying yourself is so fucking hard. That's the thing. is like, as I was about to say, like, I don't think it's true that older people cannot learn new skills and new things. It's just more of like, as you get older, the more of like, God, do I want to? Like, is it worth it? You know? Sure, sure. How much time do I have left? Do do Uh, I want to go back to sucking at something to be mm -hmm. better at something? You know, it's like I, the, but. I, I I wonder what that arc is going to be. Is it going to be him like going to another greasy spoon just to be a line cook and be like, you know what? This is uh, is it going to be him having a similar kind of Tina arc of last where he finally kind of gets it? And, you know, maybe I assume she's going to try to go to him and help him through it. But I don't know, because this show doesn't always do the thing I expect of shows. True. When I, love. when I see a thread, I'm like, oh, hey, um, there's this thing with Richie where like he's struggling to find his purpose thinking he's you know useless and a barnacle and they're going to cut him loose and in most shows i'd be like 
I'd pair that with the idea that they can't find cooks, they can't mm. find anybody to hire, and Richie would be going to culinary school and trying to become a cook, right? Like, mm. is that my purpose? Can I can I make that my purpose? In this show, I'm not so sure. Uh, and the same is true with Ibrahim. I don't I don't know. In most shows, she would go to him and have him, you know, help him through it, hold his hand, give him the support he needs to learn this new stuff, and he'd be a he'd be a perfectly good cook at the end of it mm-hmm. this show i don't know he might he might leave i mean he's such a wild canon because like it's one of those things that i don't even know how to think about him um because like in the first episode you can tell like he's unsure he's full of self-doubt he's talking honestly and like sometimes that would be the start of like a, a rehabilitation tour of a character that like oh he's gonna stop fucking around he's gonna learn Next episode, he's starting his own. He's gone back to his own shit. Like Car- Carm said, hey, we're not going to get rid of you. And now he's just like trying to be, like you said, the alpha male, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm reminded of uh, uh, what, what does uh, Tywin's thoughts about kings? Like anyone who d- mm, yeah. must call himself a king is no true king. If you have to call yourself an alpha. Yeah. And you're getting back <laughs> to fuck off by the kid sister. Then uh-huh. I'm sorry, uh-huh. dude. Like you know, may, maybe there's not there. Maybe there's uh, not much to this whole alpha thing. Um, yeah. I love how uh, I first of all I remember really liking Fact by the end of last season. I'm so mm-hmm. delighted he seems like he's elevated to series regular. But their yeah. whole thing over calling mom. Oh, you gonna call mom? <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Talking about Carm's little sister is so fucking funny. Also. Do you think that slap to fact was improvised? Because I do, yeah. That dude, I, I mean, like he's a. I think he's a great actor. But like that, that expression that he made when Richie slapped him in the face mm-hmm. looked like a dude who was about this close to breaking. Like, <laughs> like, like laughing and being like, "What the fuck?" Uh-huh. Uh, I almost like, like I. I, it was an electric moment. It's like he, that's either the greatest performance of all time I've ever seen, <laughs> or uh, Eben, no, or not a performance at all. Yeah, yeah, just slap the shit out of this guy. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, I'd believe yeah. it. Uh, a guy seems like he might be a lot to work with. I don't know. You know, I, when I saw the difference in reactions between Tina and Ibra uh, on uh, looking at their uniform, I also noticed there's this really intense focus on Carmi's old New York three Michelin star uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is there? What is there special about that outfit? Is there anything special? Because it just has his initials on it. Does it have like three stars in the pocket? And I missed it because like every like I noticed that like. Um, you know, uh, it, it keeps on the camera keeps noticing it. Sydney keeps noticing it. She even mentioned that, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, that looks sick and I bet it felt good wearing it. What are they doing with that? Uh, that's a really good question. I don't know if that's a special chef's jacket, if it has stars on it for the Michelin stars that they earned. Um, or is it just the representation of what he achieved in New York? That's the bigger thing. That's what matters about it. Um, yeah. and, and the difference of meaning between Carmi and Sydney of that jacket. Sydney yeah. idolizes that jacket, looks at it as something to attain, something to aspire to. Carmi thinks it's a trap. Because now, if you earn those stars, you have to now maintain those stars. And the things that you have to do, the sacrifices you have to make, the perfection that you have to seek 
to maintain those stars, it's harder than earning them in the first place. Yeah. Because you've done the amazing thing. Now continue to dazzle everyone with something new. Yeah, that line he had in that conversation about what it felt like with to get the third Michelin star. And he says that he has this kind of like habit of bypassing the feeling of joy mm-hmm. and funneling those emotions directly into the feeling of dread. Mm-hmm. And I related that also very hard because it seems like every victory <laughs> yeah. that I've had in my life, it's like I think of all the Kickstarters that we've done. Like uh. when the funding goal gets passed, it's there's always like, ah, oh, shit, now you got to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Instead of being like, fuck, yeah, we get to do it. It's like now you actually have to impress, you know, you got to come, you got to follow through and, and do something that's worth all this. Like very few times do you, I do, I at least get to look back and be like, my God, look at what all we've done. And like, uh, you know, and uh, in, 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 like, like, like be able to enjoy it. Like, wow, this is a moment. Uh, savor mm-hmm. it. Like he even says, like, uh, I got to remind myself to breathe, let mm-hmm. alone to smell the flowers. Um, that's true. I think of careers in general. Um, mm. when you're in the middle of doing a thing that has no particular end, how how do you enjoy that? Because, like, I, I speaking from you know my experience, my POV here, mm-hmm. we do a podcast. We're on to the next one. You know, um, we do a particularly amazing podcast that we both have fun with and really think is great. There's a moment of like, yeah, that was a good podcast. Now, what are we recording in 12 minutes? Oh, yeah, fuck, we got to right, do that. Right. Uh, th- there is never a moment to really sit back and look, except for with rare occasion, you complete a project. And I think those are the moments that I look at and go, yeah, we did something really cool. I think of the Giamatti stuff, the, the special that we did that one year for Christmas. I think of, uh, y- you know, the, the, the expanse space thing that we did for Christmas one year. Those types of projects where they have a definitive end and you can just set that up on the shelf and say, this is a thing I did. I'm proud of it. You know, your career is kind of one of those things, but you can't look back at it and say, I'm proud of it and enjoy it until it's over. And that takes decades. Yeah. And and I think there's also, at least in my, like every time I have a victory, I think of like, there's there's still three fires I need to put out. So like, can sure. I take the time to celebrate this victory, or can I? Do I have to go ahead and you know? And it's like it's gotten as like I said it did, when we first started this, like everything was on fire, nothing was stable. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you know, like when you're talking about like that's why I was like, I, man, I just so nostalgic and not nostalgic for some of the struggles because like we had a similar like okay there's gonna be a couple months where we're not gonna take a paycheck and mm-hmm. in fact we're gonna be burning through some savings here and mm-hmm. uh we didn't have eight hundred thousand we didn't have eight hundred thousand dollars of quasi gang money to get it all started too it's all a bootstrap optim but like now we're in a different place but um but still it's like i've never got to a place where i feel like i am in that fourth quadrant zen handling every issue as it comes up before it gets like you know we just we just mm-hmm. haven't got to that scale yet and uh yeah like you could spend some time celebrating but then you know that lazy wolf might win and boy if he takes over you'll lose everything yeah that's the thing carmy so, doesn't have that wolf right he's got the the uh, the the self abuse Wolf. He might. It's just like he's afraid of it. So he's he's he gives the uh the the workaholic wolf uh way too much power. I don't know. I don't know. It might be relating Maybe. too hard. I, I mean, he's he's definitely in that mode. And like, that's the thing about Carmi. Even if he could look back and say, "Yeah, we attained these three stars," and I'm super proud of that. 
that's not who he is. He's not the guy who sits something on a shelf and looks at it and says, I did that and it's amazing. Yeah. He's the guy who's looking on to the next thing that he's doing, trying to, you know, elevate his game even further because uh, he's just driven that way for for various reasons, healthy and unhealthy. We talked about Richie a lot and like what a pill he is and one but but one of the reasons I can't entirely hate him is because he is trying and I thought that was emblematic most of the scene he had with his daughter and we had a troubled relationship yeah. with his ex-wife and you know if Richie being who he is he probably hasn't always been there with them but he's trying and his 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 girls little girls giving a, a you know an update about her mom's recent success and how she's with a new partner and she's had her career is taken off and she's getting all these raises and opportunities and like he's like sitting there and he's like thoughtfully taking it all in and like compare and contrasting himself like he sees himself as kind of like worthless and maybe not out of purpose and shoveling money into a quasi gang-backed I, 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 yeah uh, anyway I, I gotta stay on topic a quasi gang-backed uh italian beef that he doesn't even really agree with the mission like he just want he wants the beef and now we got the bear and and mm-hmm. and he's processing all that and his little girl i don't know whether she misinterprets it or she's just passing on something but she like imitates her mom's voice it's like but don't think that lets you get out of child support because fair is fair mm-hmm. and that would that would be an opportunity for richie to be a real asshole but instead he like gives himself the uh, he, he gave a perfect answer where he's like, oh, sweetheart, you know that I love taking care of you. And I see that as like, I forget exactly what he says, but like, you know, he doesn't say, oh, your mom's a fucking bitch or, well, yeah, she would, you know, she's got all the money. I got nothing. He like acknowledges, yeah, that is my responsibility. It's not something that I, uh, it's not something that I, I, um, uh, resentful about. I'm, I'm, I'm being a good guy about it. I was like, that's, that's genuinely sweet you know sure. he's trying to he's trying his best to make this part of things uh work you know mm-hmm. and he's a, he's a crazy guy he got arrested <laughs> last year things like yeah he, he's a mess but he's uh, tried. a few bad breaks one way or the other and who knows where he's at but he he is he, he got god love a guy that, that that's trying you know mm-hmm. anybody that's out there trying yeah that's the beauty of the the underdog story here they're trying they keep teasing this idea of a taste of Chicago booth. That's got to be one of the like, I don't think the restaurant will open, but I wonder if like the finale is going to be some kind of like big triumphant return of the bear Berzato family to the taste of Chicago. And like they, they, they keep talking about it. Like All this right. is this legendary event mm-hmm. that was like insane and crazy, but so much fun. And I think that I, I, I'm starting to think that that's going to shape up to be like penultimate or finale because that's something you can do before you get all your permits and before you get all your you could definitely do a street festival and get some advanced buzz and some advanced notice on your. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see uh, it. And the other thing is like them having to scrap for you know, like uh, nobody wants to work nowadays. They got to have to scrap for workers. And I love Sydney getting run out of that dude's kitchen. Like she's trying to poach his, uh, his like line cooks and his dishwashers. And he's like, what the fuck you going to poach my people right in front of my face. Get the fuck out of here. Uh-huh. Uh, can, can we talk about that? Uh, is this such a weird dichotomy to me? Yeah. Like all these restaurants closing, you would think the streets would be flooded 
with great cooks looking for jobs, right? And then you've got the COVID thing where nobody's fucking hiring anybody. Are that, we in COVID or is get... this post-COVID? Like, are we in the middle of COVID in this universe? I think so. I saw a lot of COVID shutdown things okay. on the, the news article she was reading through, but that might be historical. She might be looking through older uh, news articles. Because uh, I, 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 if it's in the middle of COVID, there was a, in a lot of places where you could actually make more money by staying home and taking the super dole than you could by going like, you know, to work at a shitty 10, 12 hour uh, yeah. a, 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 a job. So it could be that like the market's tight night because everybody's working, but because everybody's kind of like comfortable staying home and it's a fucking pandemic. And if you're in that position where you can, mm-hmm. why the fuck wouldn't you? Um, yeah, totally. And then you look at like the state of restaurants right now yeah. still fucking sucks. Dude. I, every restaurant I go to is wildly understaffed uh, to the and point where they can't even get the orders out the door, let alone right. Yeah, it's especially like a fast food or quick service type mm-hmm. restaurants are the food uh, quality is terrible. The it's so goddamn expensive. Yeah, like, well, that's part of it. You know, it's it's cost roughly the same to go to McDonald's as it did to go to like O Charlie's or Outbacks 10 years ago, five years ago. Um, And, and yeah, and, and the experience is miserable. The places are dirty. Uh, They're understaffed. The service is bad. It's like. It's a how really brutal industry. It's how, really brutal. How can this be? If, I mean, if so the, many restaurants had to close their doors because COVID just killed them. Uh-huh. How can there be this glut or not, not a glut, the opposite, the shortage of people willing to work in the restaurant industry? I don't, man. I So my son, he's 16 going on 17. He worked at Arby's for about two and a half months. And it's it was a legendarily miserable experience because they always were understaffed. People were always calling off. People were always skipping town for the next job that they could get. But also, they start people out at $11 an hour. Uh, who the fuck sure, wants to work not, and get slammed at an Arby's and have yeah. like r- lines wrapped around the building so you know that everyone's going to be pissed and angry and shitty? Like, why the hell would you want to work? Th- like the an- simple answer is pay people more money. Like I don't, oh, I sure. don't, I don't understand. Like I, I, I don't, I'm not a business. I'm not an MBA. Uh, I don't have a business degree. I don't understand like macroeconomics really, but it seems insane that you can't make more money by paying staff so you can give people a good experience because <laughs> clearly yeah. if you got lines wrapping around your building you got demand there but like for how long until people are like you know what fuck these arby's fuck these market freshes fuck your wagyu burgers i'm not gonna pay 15 dollars for a burger that i have to wait 25 minutes in a line for mm-hmm. and it's gonna look like hot shit when i finally get it <laughs> like mm-hmm. i don't know it uh but like I, it feels like this is one of the the um, conundrums this show is going for it's like i i remember clearly i had a thesis out of last season is like the food industry is almost exploitative and immoral on the face of it like the we we are enjoying a hot meal out on the back of misery and suffering (laughs) yeah yeah. i don't know why it has to be that way but it seems like a near universal experience if you've talked to anyone who's worked in retail food um especially especially kitchens at at restaurants like that it's it's high pressure it's a bad environment like physically uh yeah 
I think Carm's approach is the best, like try to do like a ultra, you know, a high end experience. But but then, you know, you're pricing some people out and it's just, yeah, mm-hmm. there's not a not not. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of great answers, yeah. you know, it's a it's a it seems like a crazy industry to try to try to work in. And if that's your passion, like, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's why Sydney's dad is so worried about her. So mm-hmm. stuff doesn't doesn't work out well for most people. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we just all need to. Uh, uh, that, and that's the other thing. Is like, I guess, like, I wouldn't mind paying twelve dollars for McDonald's uh, combo every once in a while if I thought that the people were getting paid enough that they weren't spitting in my food and calling in um, and understaffing. And but like, you know, like the like where where is the food? Where where is this extra expense going to? Oh, I know where it's going. It's yeah. going in the pockets of big, the people big who own burger. the companies. Right up to Ronald McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. He's swimming in his money bin. Mayor McCheese. Follow mm-hmm. the money all the way to the top. Corrupt quarter pounder if I've ever seen one. Um, <laughs> we'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. What else do we have to talk about? I think we have we got through everything. I think so. That's pretty much all the plot threads. Is there something to thematic to the internal rot of this building? Like, are they trying to say Ooh. something like about that? Like, car, like this this location, this business, this thing is like hollowing everyone out on the inside, and <laughs> it's like this insidious because, like, you know, yeah. It's, or would they be better if if a little uh, uh, that 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 uh, that Jewish lightning hit them and uh, they just oh cash out for two God, million? Oh my God, that scene! <laughs> that scene Look, was so funny. I've, I've been good about not saying the G or the I've, R word. <laughs> Guns and Roses? No, uh, no. Yeah, and, and I love how like this show is like makes so many great points without like being preachy because they just let. Uh huh. They let Richie. Richie They just let Richie explain, like, okay, lighten. What's this Jewish lightning? And like, after he gets done, I love Sydney's deadpan. Like, okay, now that we've had the uh, the explanation of Jewish lightning explained, it is self evident that we should never say it again. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, you just put on a masterclass. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 Richie, thank you, thank you for teaching us our sensitivity class for today. Mm. Aside from the actual term itself, I didn't understand what he was talking about as far as that was like Mikey's backup plan. What does that have to do with her putting her hand through the wall? Uh, That Mikey tried to stage a structure fire that didn't actually take and that wall being damaged to the point you could put a hand through is because of that. Yeah. And they just painted over. Okay. They just hung up. Oh, they didn't even paint over. They just hung a like like a, a, a Shawshank Redemption style poster over it. All right. Is that, okay. Is that Rita Hayworth? Sense. It was uh, the I don't know, sixty-eight Cubs, or I, don't, I, I assume don't that was part it. of the mold problem, which which doesn't connect. Man, Richie, uh, I love that uh, when uh, was it Uncle Polly? Is that his name? The the semi gangster dude. I don't. I don't uh, remember. Jimmy, Uncle Jimmy. Uh, okay. When he's like, you know, I uh, there's the, the the other thing is the the this the silent partner that they've got this this uncle lou and he's like wait uncle lou he's not my uncle and he's like yeah well richie's not your cousin and then richie from like three rooms away says heard and resented (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
Um, I love the siren going off and like it's bothering uh, everybody, but Carm's like, eh, it doesn't bother me, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Richie's Kevin McCallifer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Speaking yeah. of relating to someone, uh huh. Oh man, his Wi-Fi password. Did you uh, go did, fast boats and uh, mojitos? Mojitos, go fast boats, mojitos. Do you know what that's from? No, is it's it from, from the Zim? Michael Mann uh, 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 Miami Vice reboot. Really? That's like like oh, Don Johnson. God. I think it said talking about or not not Don Johnson, but whoever the Crockett and Tubbs saying that's what they they're into. Go fast boats, mojitos. <laughs> wow i thought it was just them being them but yeah that makes sense yeah uh what else what else do we uh there's one other thread which is not being pregnant uh i don't know where they're going with that because they've got this three-month window which could extend up to six months i don't know how pregnant she's supposed to be at this point does, wait does she know she's pregnant she says something about it. She she says something like, uh, blah, I thought blah, blah, just... blah, and, and they don't even know I'm pregnant yet. Ah, because so like, they, they, everything subtextually about her getting yes. like queasy and not being, like mm-hmm. I was thinking like, oh, she, but I, I'm, man, I miss that. So she, it's when she's sitting next to the gurgling toilet. Yeah. Oh, t- talking on the phone. That, yeah. Can we talk about how nasty that, did you oh, see that she was in the splash zone and her oh, pants yeah. and legs were getting splashed as it was gurgling? Yeah. Like, girl. I, like, I know that toilet is clean on set, but like, I felt bad for the actor. Because <laughs> like, yeah, this is not just, in, yeah, this isn't, a, this isn't a toilet in your house, listener, that I'm sure is clean and maybe it could gurgle on you. This is, this is a toilet in the original beef. Mm-hmm. This this building is ninety five percent black mold, you and five percent urine stain right? holding it all together. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> this this gurgle bad gurgling. Yeah. Oh my god. God, that was another good Richie moment when he comes in and he's got tears in his eyes, and you know he's been a wall through the whole first episode, and Carm goes down to the basement. And he looks at him, he's got tears in his eyes, he's like, what's my purpose? And Carm just deadpan says, your shirt says original birth. <laughs> like, you're uh-huh. having this philosophical breakdown, yeah. uh, and you're wearing an original birth shirt. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which I I kind of want that as a piece of merch. Printing error, collector's item. Can Love we get it. an original birth shirt? I wonder if you can order it online. Yeah. There's another danger that they've got. So, like, we're going into hot. Uh, do, do, do we decide last year whether Uncle Jimmy was a made man or not? Uh, I can't remember. Because I just, I always get that. So, it's like, it's maybe he's going in uh, to uh, the, the hawk with the Bob. He's got a silent business partner that seems like it's going to be scary. There's hints that the IRS has got a little bit of their beak in the water bowl which that's always scary if, mm-hmm. if you're you know dealing with the irs um try to think if there's any other like giant threats that they're, they're that they show a raid that we haven't gone uh over uh no i mean i can almost guarantee this timeline is gonna get stretched because a it seems like they're trying to do too much 
too fast, especially mm. now that this is a whole gut, right? This is not a facelift. Right. And B, I think this is going to set up some good tension for next season um, because it reduces the time frame that they have to pay back Jimmy. So mm. the longer it takes them to set up, the more attention there is once they do open. Right, right. Oh my God, our producer just uh, direct messaged me a link to where you can get the original birth of Chicagoland t-shirt on Etsy. Nice. So it's definitely, uh, this is the most hastily turned around the uh, uh, gray market IP I've ever seen, but it looks exactly like it is on the show. That's pretty fucking sweet. I might have to get one of those. Um, did did it make you super fucking nervous to watch Carm grinding that lock with no eye protection at all? Uh, yes. Yeah. I like that, how Fax this... in the background with his gloves on, like, yeah. his fingers covering his yeah. face. Is, uh, is he not even doing the safety squint? Is this foreshadowing? Is he going to do, like, get going fast oh, and do something man. stupid and, and uh, someone's going to get hurt? I, I hope not. I, I will say... I am terrified of watching people cut vegetables in this show. Like, uh, I know he, they're all skilled, except sure. for Ibrahim, who... What, uh, he's the guy I was worried was just going to slice off a finger, and I was going to have to watch it, and I don't want to see that. Man, it's easy, especially when you're first learning to do knife work. Uh, I, I cut my I cut my fingers pretty cruel. Uh, never off, though. Yeah, no, there, there's a technique to keep you from cutting them off, but that sounds... I, I don't know. I, I'm just always ready to to wince in pain when they're cutting vegetables. Mm. Uh, all right, what other what else we have? I think that's it. I think so too. Uh, maybe we can tell people what we're going to be doing um, or the, our release schedule for this. Uh, mm-hmm. We are going to be covering episodes four, five, six, and seven on Monday, the twenty sixth. Um, so we got this weekend, we got our big uh, badass kickoff live show festival. We're going to be doing that and get back to work on Monday, get the bear four through seven knocked out. And then on Tuesday, we'll come back and finish the series uh, with episodes eight, nine and ten. And our plan is to come back to July 4th week with uh, maybe some bear feedback. If you guys send it, I don't know how much we'll get. We might do a season wrap up. Send that into prestige at baldmove.com. And I uh, said, if we get a decent amount, um, some interesting stuff, we'll probably come back with a wrap up podcast the following week. Uh, but if not, yeah, we'll uh, definitely be looking forward to the bear season three, assuming we get one. I got to finish the season. I did read uh, Seppenwall's spoiler free review of it, and he says it is as good, if not better than season one. Nice. Um, slightly less stressful, much funnier, but still there's episodes mm-hmm. that really seems like there's some episodes that really... Uh, uh, give you a wallop in the, the back half of this. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys are too. Um, prestige at baldmove.com for feedback. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you Monday.